For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome back to Believe in Softball. That's B-L-E-A-V with Believe Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jenna Becerra, and I'm excited to talk more ball today. First, I'll do a quick roundup of a few things in the softball world that I think are interesting. Clemson, first year having a softball program, which also coincides with the launch of the ACC Network. They played their first ever game against a ranked opponent, number 14 Georgia, and got the win. They have a winning record now of 11-7, and and Coach Rittman is really building a program from scratch in a Power 5 conference. I mean, more softball is always fun to see. Then there's Haley Cruz from Oregon, you know, the TikTok queen. She has thousands of social media followers. She and Bailey Vick from Kentucky both received national weekly honors after big performances. Cruz was at the big Mary Nutter Classic last weekend and led the tournament in a bunch of offensive categories. And they actually collaborated on a video this week to celebrate from across the country. I just, I love it. The power of social media, it's so great when it's pure and used for good. And then lastly, LSU. I can't ignore the first ever seven-inning perfect game in LSU history. Mary Beth Gorsuch killed it. All about the number 21, too. You know, 21 hitters she faced, 21 outs. But not even just that. That's just a perfect game, right? But 21 first pitch strikes. That's called dealing. That's incredible. And we'll touch on some of these concepts with today's guests. Very special guest today, head coach at Stanford University, All-American catcher herself for the Cardinal in her day, and in between also an assistant at Stanford, and I have to include that because she did recruit me, Jessica Alistair. It was just a couple of years ago, Jenna, just a couple of years ago. <laughs> That's what we'll go with. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm excited to have you on. I'm happy to be here. It's wonderful. Yes, and I'm also excited to be on the beautiful, sunny campus mm-hmm. here at Stanford. I mean, 68 degrees outside, I think, right now. Yes, I think it's going to get up to 75, and we're a little worried it's going to be too warm, but we're spoiled rotten. Oh, my gosh. I thought that I had <laughs> toughened up. You know, I'm the California girl, moves to the East Coast, thought that I was so great, I could handle the cold now, and now I'm coming back, I'm here for a week, and I'm soft. It's, it, yeah. It'll suck you right in. There's about a 10-degree um, variance where we feel really comfortable, and outside of that, we start complaining one way or the next. It's not a bad way to live. Uh, Well, today I'm going to pick your brain about a few different things, you know, building a program, coaching at your alma mater, recruiting, you know, some fun stuff. Awesome. Before we dive in, quick reminder that Believe in Softball is available on your usual directories, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. Also find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcasts on social. You can also reach me on Twitter at JennaBacera01 with questions, feedback, anything, and follow Coach here at Jessica Alistair too while you're at it. All right, so I kind of want to just dig right in. I feel like that's your style. It is. Yeah. All right, so let's just do it. Talking about building a program, Mm -hmm. and to to give the context of this, too, I'm going to brag on you a little bit. Are you all right with that? Um, Sure. Okay. (laughs) You're like, not really, but I'll deal with it. So 2019, Pac-12 Coach of the Year here at Stanford, your third season now in 2020, but last year was the first postseason in six years for Stanford. First winning season in five years, more Pac-12 conference wins in the last four years combined, 
And it was one of the best records to open the season that we've had in the past decade here. So, and so far, 2022, you had the eight-game win streak recently. Good trend. That doesn't happen overnight. And I know that you get the question a lot, you know, how did you turn around the program or how are you currently doing that? How is it on the uptick? And I know it's, we talked last year about this. It's not like there's a magic wand, right? And it doesn't happen overnight. So where does it start? I think there's a lot there. One, you know, it's definitely a a work in progress. You know, we um, are trying to figure out every day how we can get just a little bit better. Um, You know, we're we're not where we want to be, but we're proud of some of the progress that we're making. You know, I think there's there's a lot of places that it starts. Um, you know, it obviously starts on the field with the players. You know, coaches don't win ball games; players win ball games. And we've had a group of players who um, really enjoy work and um, enjoy working towards a goal um, and have a real toughness about them that have allowed them to um, win some tough games um, over the last couple of years that have you know put our team in a situation where we, we were able to get back to the postseason and win some um, win some Pac-12 games, which is awesome. You know, I think that um, starts every day at practice. You know, we try to make practice um, focused and demanding and set up what they're going to they're gonna have to do in the game. One of my first bosses, Lou Harris-Champer at um, Georgia, used to always say the goal is to make practice so hard that the game seems easy. So we try to challenge them in practice so that when they get to the game, you can just relax. So that's still a work in progress too. You know, it's an interesting thing when you're dealing with some of the skill sets that we deal with in softball, where there's so much failure built in, like you want to make sure that you're adding the successes along the way in practice, but you still want to um, have that competitiveness and that challenge so that it doesn't feel foreign when you you step on the field. And we talked about that a little bit last year Mm -hmm. too, how much of it's mental versus physical. And and there are adjustments on both, right? But how does that play Well, out? I think confidence um, comes from preparation. So, you know, if you're not prepared, you're, you know it. And when you step on the field, you know it. So I think the goal is to put, on, put in the work ahead of time so that when you step on the field, you feel confident and prepared. Um, it's, it's interesting. I listen to a lot of coaches talk. I, I read a lot of things that people read. And, um, you know, people talk a lot about the mental side. And I, I really believe in the mental side. Um, but if there's a massive physical gap between you and your competition, then you're not going to you're not going to win just because you took care of the mental side. So it's, you know, you hear some of these coaches talking about it. I'm like, yeah, you got five McDonald's All-Americans on your team. That's why you spend more time on the mental side. <laughs> um, and it is important, but like they're both important. So I think that, you know, becomes a real factor when um, when you can bridge the talent gap. And, you know, now you're competing apples to apples, oranges to oranges. And um, I think that, you know, pushes you over the edge. So I think it's both, but I think that uh, you got to, take care of the physical skill set in order to allow yourself to um, be successful. And what were those adjustments mm-hmm. for you guys last year, but then even from last year to this year? Yeah. Uh, the physical ones or the mental ones? Both, or? really. Well, you're just continually trying to get better, right? I mean, I think in everything that you do, you're just um, trying to be better today than you were yesterday. So, um, you know, I think in the box, you're trying to take more aggressive swings at better pitches. You know, you're trying to understand how the pitcher's trying to get you out. Um, and make her beat you a different way. Um, you know, defensively, take care of the ball, increase your range. You know, pitching-wise, have command of both sides of the plate to change the speeds. So I think, I mean, the list is long and distinguished, right? But I think just showing up every day and getting to work and understanding that if we can all just get a little bit better, like the sum of the parts in the um, context of the team is going to be huge. And I think we have a group that, that buys into that. And this isn't the first time that you've done or started to do here. I know mm-hmm. for you, it's a work in progress. Absolutely. And it is, it is. Yes. 
and it's not even just about getting back to what Stanford was. It's more carving your own new path yep. here. But it's not the first time that you've put the building blocks yeah. in place. At Minnesota, you were there for seven seasons. And then the last season in 2017, sorry, more bragging, <laughs> was the Gophers' best season ever. You were a Big Ten coach of the year there. So I'm seeing a pattern <laughs> here. Uh, first regular season Big Ten title since 1991, I saw, as well as I think your third tournament championship in the past four years, you're still, we are all still really seeing the ripple effects to this day from your efforts there. You know, the first World Series appearance last year and all the credit in the world for the current coaching staff and the current players, but that does take time. And it started, I think, when you were there. So what did you take from that experience and who, with your staff as well, especially, you know, coming back into a monster conference like the Pac-12? You got to string together good recruiting classes. And when you can string together good recruiting classes, um, all of a sudden you can you can have a special roster. There's no magic bullet there, you know, and Stanford is different than most in that, you know, we've got to do it the old fashioned way, which is actually through um, high school recruiting. You know, you can't fix things here with transfers. Right. Um, which I think is a good thing. You know, I enjoy having a player in the program for four years. Um, but I think you see in collegiate athletics right now, there's a trend of just, um, if you made a mistake on the front end where there's some sort of hole, like you just go fill it, mm. um, immediately in the transfer market. And you see programs that have made huge strides in short amount of time doing that. You know, we can't do that. And like I said, I think, I think that's okay because I think in the long run, it's going to pay off when you have a player in your program for four years and you can string together recruiting classes, all of a sudden you have tremendous depth and you have people who know what the program's all about and they have great pride in the program. So that's how you start to have success over time and that's how it accumulates in special seasons. You just got to continually bring in really good ball players. What's your favorite part of recruiting? Other than, you know, me coming into your life. <laughs> JB, that was for sure it. <laughs> um, yeah, I, it's, it's interesting. So there's a couple things. One, um, I think there's a lot of things in our jobs that we do that don't have like an immediate impact, um, an immediate correlation to like success. You know, if you recruit well, like your life's going to be a little bit easier. <laughs> so I think it's a really good place to invest your time. Um, and then also you just, um, you know, you're presenting young women the opportunity of a lifetime. Like what a cool thing that, you know, we get to do college softball, you know, it, it changes people's lives. And um, to be able to, um, offer that to people and give people this experience. I mean, it's, it's amazing. Did you always know you wanted to coach? Um, yeah, well, kind of. So, um, my dad was a college basketball coach, um, when I was in high school and, and uh, middle school and grade school and whatnot. So like coaching is kind of in my blood. Um, but I, when I was first at Stanford, wanted to work on wall street. Um, lots of my, uh, classmates and, um, friends and dorm mates and whatnot, um, you know, they're going the investment banking route. And to me, that was an area where you could go and like, there was a score sheet and there was a clear <laughs> winner. And there was like, uh, oh, you know, there was that competitiveness. I'm really competitive. I like to win. So I thought this is, <laughs> this is for me. Um, and then I think probably about my junior year, I realized, you know, I, there's not a better job than, um, collegiate athletics and to be able to stay in collegiate athletics and stay around, um, 18 to 22 year olds who are just figuring out like, who they are and the power that they have and what they're going to be in life. Like what a great atmosphere to be a part of. Are you harder on catchers when you recruit them? <laughs> Just cause you know, you've walked that path. 
Uh, no, I don't think so. I think I, um, I think I empathize with them. And, you know, <laughs> I understand the things that are hard and the things that I don't think they're all that hard. Um, but I, I love working with catchers. You know, I think it's a, um, it's a position that, um, is selfless and demanding and, um, it's, it's the viewpoint from which the game was supposed to be seen. Whenever I watch the game from the other side of the field, I, I can't understand what's going on. So no, I, I love recruiting catchers. Yeah, you just like that viewpoint, right? In the, in the batter's <laughs> box, as a catcher, that's you're good. Absolutely. And being at your alma mater mm-hmm. now, yeah, it's just different, right? I mean, all coaching experiences that you've had seem mm-hmm. to be successful and great, but when you're at Minnesota, you basically named your dog after Stanford, right? <laughs> My dog's name is Leland. That is true. Um, it was very cute when I lived in Minneapolis. Now that I live on campus, I feel like a nerd. Uh, yeah, Stanford's really special to me. You know, it um, it shaped me. It was absolutely the best four years of my life. I would do anything um, to get to do it all over again. Um, I just think that there is no better experience um, for the right student athlete. You know, if you can handle um, the academics and if you can thrive in that atmosphere, um, and if you're good enough to compete for the ath- the best athletic department in the country, like there's just Stanford has no no match. Um, and I really. I really, truly believe that. The academics are rigorous. I mean, there are no shortcuts. Student athletes are sitting in class next to people who are literally making discoveries. Some of them are doing it themselves, but they're surrounded by people like that. And you're in that situation and you're in awe, but they are also in awe of what you do as an athlete. You know, Stanford has the most national championships overall of any school in the country. Um, that being said, there's also a lot of pressure that comes with it. You know, I, I feel a um, sense of responsibility that um, Stanford Athletics stands for something. You know, and the softball team needs to make sure that we um, we are competing, you know, at that level. Um, so a lot of pride, a lot of responsibility, but it's, it's a heck of a job. I love it. And I think everyone listening can tell, you know, how you sold me <laughs> on coming here after that. And not, not everyone knows, too. So Leland, I have to explain this. Yeah. Not everyone realizes that it is Leland Stanford Junior University, or that's what it was named after from yep. the Stanford family. So that's why your dog's name is Leland. Absolutely. But, you know, I know it's like you're like, oh, now no, I'm at Stanford. It's a little much. <laughs> but I will say it's okay. I actually named my cat Uh-oh. Cleats. I love that. That's cute. When I was in sixth grade because, you know, he was black with white paws. Yeah. And everyone's, I thought socks was basic. You yeah. know, everyone does that kind of thing. So he's going to turn Ball 18. player at a young age. I love it. I know. I know. 18. He's going to turn smokes. 18. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. So that lasts with you. But after everything you built at Minnesota, I mean, obviously Stanford's special. It's the familiarity, but even the pressure, which I know you thrive on, like mm-hmm. you were saying, what else pushed you to come back other than there, you know, no snow? And- <laughs> yeah, the weather's not all that bad. <laughs> um, uh, there's just a lot, right? It's like any decision. There's a lot of things that come into play. Um, but I think, you know, the pride of it being in my alma mater, you know, is a, is a big one. Um, compete in the Pac-12 conference. I, there's, there's nothing like it. Um, you're going to show up every day and you're going to compete against one of the top teams in the country. Um, and if you're not ready, you're going to get beat. <laughs> um, and I just think that that competitive challenge, um, you know, I don't, I don't know that there's another conference across sports that matches the level of Pac-12 softball, um, top to bottom. So to be a part of that, um, it's fun, it's challenging, it's rewarding. And just, you know, the, the challenge of, of Stanford, you know, you look around, you're surrounded by the excellence, you know, the things that the different sports programs do here, um, 
is absolutely amazing. I mean, last year alone winning seven national championships, like there's power five universities that don't have seven national championships in their history. Um, so there's, you know, there's high standards and, um, it's, it's a challenge. I mean, even walking through the home of champions, mm -hmm. which is Stanford's version of the hall of fame, mm -hmm. basically here, you walk past the national championship section, but it's only the recent national championships. Mm -hmm. There are too many for them to just display all of them. Yeah. So it's like, Oh, here's our most recent, you know, this year that yeah. we got. It's crazy. Yeah. But you're right. It is, it is humbling. And even the way that they display all of it downstairs from your office here is almost that like humble pride where it's understated, but so powerful, which I feel like Stanford is. Well, and it's not um, the focal point. And right. I think that's an interesting thing that people, um, you know, who aren't familiar with Stanford or just getting to know it, um, you, you learn when you're around here. Um, this place is about excellence and uh, it is the best athletic department in the country. Um, but it's about more than that. And uh, Stanford won't compromise um, for championships. You know, it's um, it's about excellence and you got to be excellent on both sides and um, in life. And it's a it's a special place. Yeah. It's the home of champions within the conference of champions, <laughs> yeah. too, here at the Pac-12. And I feel like for you, it's, at least when I had you as my coach, it's easy to listen to you, knowing that you literally walked in the same path as mm -hmm. a player is currently. And the Pac-12, for me, I really wanted to play in the Pac-12. Stanford was an easy choice with the academics as well, because it's like a World Series every weekend yeah. for the conference. And you actually went to two, both of the World Series yeah. appearances for yeah. Stanford. You know, we literally, during my time, and you might do it now still, you tell me, but when we would come up to end practice or to end a weight room session, you know, it's OKC on three because yeah. we want to go to Oklahoma City. That's the goal every year, and you've done it. But also, I feel like from my time to now, from your time to now, there are a lot of differences between mm -hmm. what our experiences were and the current student athletes. Um, and you know, we talk about like, there was limited TV and media coverage mm -hmm. back then. Now there's these like social media, viral TikTok videos. Mm -hmm. Tegan Cowles on your team just took over the NCAA softball, Instagram. That's so different. So we can talk about that all day long, but what's what seems to be constant, do you think? I think the constant is just, um, you gotta take care of things on all sides. So the constant is that uh, you're, you're a student athlete, you know, Stanford doesn't change and won't change in that aspect. Um, I think, I don't know. I, I tell our players actually, um, a fair amount, like the world's different now and I can't imagine existing in, um, their shoes with all of the social media, just the exposure, you know, it's, it's really great. Um, but it's also a lot of pressure and you, you can get lost in it. Um, and just the, comparing yourself to others and comparing um, everyone else's day to your day. And it's not a real day. It's a fake day. <laughs> it's just a, there's this um, constant like competition for whose life is the best. And that's hard. You know, yeah. that's really, really hard. So I think um, I feel fortunate to not have grown up in that era. Yeah. Um, and I think there's some challenges that go along with that. So it's exciting and it's exciting all the, um, all of the exposure that softball is getting and the stage that it's on. And none of us would, um, trade that for anything. But I, I do think there's a lot of pressures that go along with that and um, interesting waters to navigate. Yeah, it definitely is. I don't even think Instagram existed when I was, or at least I didn't have one when I was in college, which is aging me, but that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, 
with social media, Mm -hmm. but even beyond that, I feel like coaches secretly kind of know more about their players than players Mm -hmm. realize. You know, you spend so much time together. You're on the field, you're on travel days, Mm -hmm. you know, on the bus and the plane, whatever it is, even during rain delays, you're Mm -hmm. all hanging out. And from my experience, it's a good thing, but also like players should mind their P's and Q's a little bit. Yeah. I, um, it's funny. I actually was having this conversation with, um, with a colleague at the convention last year. I think you should be a good person. Right. And so if it's about monitoring your social media for the sake of monitoring your social media versus just being a good person, like, you know, I think you have a, um, an obligation as a role model to make sure that the image that you're portraying to the people that look up to you, um, is, is one that you would want, you know, and I think you can kind of separate those two pieces, the obligation as a role model. And just, um, you know, when we're, when we're recruiting people, if we look at that to kind of see who they are, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily think it shows who you are. So we don't pay as much attention to that as most, you know, I think maybe it's a little bit scarier, somebody who, um, really washes that to try to be a certain person when that's not who they are. Yeah. Um, so I think there's kind of two sides to that, but, um, I think anytime that, you're trying to really um, censor yourself. You know, I, I don't know. I don't know that that's great. Yeah, that's a good point. How would you describe your coaching style? Mm-hmm. Do you have a philosophy or certain things you go by? Yeah, I mean, I believe in hard work. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing worth anything in life comes without hard work. Like, there's no magic bullets. Um, there's, there's just work. You know, we all do the same things, and we got to do it better. Um, with more attention um, and more often than our opponents. You know, I, I really believe that. Um, I also, I think softball should be fun. Uh, my version of fun is working as hard as you can to see just how good you can get. You know, you got four years. You know, take advantage of all of it, you know, and see what you can do. You know, at the end of the day, nobody walks away from college and says, I wish I would have gone to more parties. Yeah. Like, that's not <laughs> it. You can do that for the rest of your life. You know, yeah. um, you got four years to see what you can become. Um, and I think it's... Um, it's my responsibility, you know, to challenge you in those four years. Um, and I think that's, what's fun, you know, working hard and sweating beside your teammates and pushing each other and like grinding and out together. Like that's fun. The best parties I went to in college were our team parties, honestly, <laughs> where we were just all hanging out and we did have some good themes, you yeah. know, that we'd throw in there, but that yeah. was really the best. So yeah. I definitely see where you're coming from there. Yeah. I feel like with you, the word grit mm-hmm. comes up a lot. Yeah. You as a person, but also even, I'll see you tweet things like if another Stanford national championship happens, you'll be like, wow, what a gritty win. Yeah. What does grit mean to you? Well, it's easy when it's easy and you find out who you are when it's not. I think that's like sport, you know, and that's softball for sure because it's such a game of failure. Um, But when things are rolling and it's easy, you know, yeah, you feel good. Yeah, it's easy to be confident in all of these things. Um, But that doesn't happen all that often. You know, most of the time, you know, we're somewhere in the middle. And who, who are you on those days? Right. Um, and can you stick with it and, um, believe that, you know, you're one swing away from the best hitting streak of your life, um, and just not give up, you know? And that has to do with, that's part of being a good person, like mm-hmm. you were saying, yeah. just in general. And I have to say, I'll never forget actually, but the night before postseason started, mm-hmm. we were at regionals, my senior year. I remember you were our assistant coach our freshman year mm-hmm. for me and my class. And you texted all of us saying good luck before 
and we were all we loved it you know we're all like tearing up like so happy because you had recruited all of us not, not just our class but most of the people that we played with on and all the other classes yeah. on our team and so that to me was a real sign of investment yeah how do you think about that when you invest in your players and even you know beyond you're, yeah. you're still very connected with the alumni yeah. group you're an alumni yourself yeah. how do you think about that piece well, I, I just think you you spend a lot of time together and you care about each other and you ask people to give a lot of themselves for the program, you know, and I think um, there's a lot of appreciation that comes with that when when people do that. You know, actually, my favorite thing to do, I text um, <laughs> every single one of my players that I've had since I was a head coach. So starting in 2010 at Minnesota on Thanksgiving and tell them happy Thanksgiving. Um, and just the texts that come back from that on what they're doing and where they're at and, you know, how their families are doing, you know, you spend a lot of time and a lot of hard times, yeah. um, with these people and have tough conversations and ask them to do things that they don't want to do. <laughs> uh, and so I think, you know, those relationships that are developed, like they're awesome. That's why there's nothing like a team mm -hmm. and, and nothing like teammates. Yeah. There's just, you know, there's your family. That's like kind of the closest comparison and they're another form of family. But nobody's really in the trenches with yeah. you in the same way. Yeah. And you had some great teammates. You know, you played with Jessica Mendoza, Ramona Shelburne, mm -hmm. a lot of amazing folks. Yeah. What was your experience like? I love, like I said, I loved every second of it. You know, I'd go back and I'd do it in a heartbeat. Yeah. Um, but you know, the memories are so funny because the memories aren't the things that you think are going to be the memories. You know, they're <laughs> the funny things and yeah. the um, just kind of the laughs and the, and sometimes the things that at the time weren't so funny because they were really, really hard. And then you look back on them fondly. Yeah. Um, I think it's just, you know, getting through that stuff together um, and enjoying it. Uh, when we get together um, as teammates, yeah, we're not, we're not talking about much that happened on the field, to be honest. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, you're talking about just um, all the, all the experiences that, that happened along the way. And now with your coaching staff, mm -hmm. do you feel like you kind of treat them like your teammates in a way? I mean, they are because mm -hmm. you're all on the same team, yeah. but do you take that experience as a player to yeah. your coaching now? If you want to be successful, you've got to have great people, you know, surrounding you. And um, Jessica Merchant and Tori Nyberg are fabulous at what they do. I, um, I'm a firm believer in hiring good people and then allowing them to, you know, they're, they're in charge of themselves, you know. Their responsibilities are um, are theirs, and they have the autonomy to you know make decisions, and um, you know they're they're their own head coaches. You know, so if you can surround yourself in that atmosphere and all work together, um, it becomes fun. Um, so yeah, it's you got to have a great staff, and I am fortunate that I have a really, really, really great staff. I remember when you were named as the head coach mm -hmm. originally for Stanford, coming back. You know, so many of the alumni were so excited. Mm -hmm. I was also excited about the staff that you started to build, mm -hmm. you know, bringing the other Jessica mm -hmm. with you from Minnesota, yeah. who you were in the trenches with there too. Yeah. And then of course, Tori Nyberg, yeah. also from Stanford, yeah. like gets it, knows what it's like to be yeah. a student athlete here. That's just such an important part. Well, it's amazing. And, um, you know, Jessica Merchant is so good at what she does. And really most head coaching jobs that have opened up across the power five conferences over the last six years, she's gotten a phone call. Um, and for a second, I thought she was going to stay at Minnesota, um, you know, cause they, they wanted her to be the head coach. Um, and you know, she had to figure out what she wanted and we all make decisions. Um, but she is really, really, really good at what she does. Um, her connection with the players, her knowledge of the game, um, her competitiveness. I mean, she is, she is a huge asset to what we did at Minnesota and, um, where we're going now. And then, you know, 
the work that Coach Nyberg has done with the pitchers. I mean, if you look at what we did last year, a lot of that lay on the shoulders of, you know, the transformation that Carolyn Lee kind of made over the last two years. And um, she's just, she's very calm and knowledgeable and nurturing and caring um, and has really done a good job of fostering a wonderful atmosphere for our pitchers to improve. Um, and to see the improvement over the last couple of years has been impressive. No kidding. I mean, last year, you know, Carolyn Lee and Maddie Dwyer mm -hmm. really split a lot of the, the starts yeah. and, and the bulk of the innings. Yeah. And they had Kiana Pantino coming yeah. in and, and relief, and I loved it. I called mm -hmm. her the closer when we were yeah. calling the games. It was great. But this year, you've had seven different pitchers yeah. at some point yeah. on the mound yeah. for you guys during games. I mean, having that staff, what does that do? It's you? huge. You know, the fact that um, on any given day, you have a couple of different ways to win you know, is really exciting. You know, I think there's some challenges involved with it as well, you know, as far as managing the innings and making sure you're getting everybody what they need, um, making sure everybody um, feels connected. And, um, you know, that's, I think that's a challenge of any, you know, roster in general, you know, and pitching is right. no different because um, I think we have um, more options than opportunities at the moment, which for the sake of the team is a really, really good thing. If you want to be a good team, you better have some pitching. Um, and if you've ever been on a team without pitching, you you know that that's true. Sure do. Um, <laughs> but that's that's not always an easy thing when you're maybe just one under the depth chart of getting the innings that you want. Um, so it's dealt with across team sports. You know, right. it's nothing unique to our pitching staff, but um, you know we've got we've got some really good options. And last year, one of the keys too, generally speaking, this included mm -hmm. the pitching staff, mm -hmm. but overall with the team. It was a great balance of senior leadership yep. and the underclassmen bringing yeah. that energy. And I feel like that has translated into this season yeah. as well. Yeah. What does that look like on the team? Yeah, we've got like a really interesting roster, right? So we've got um, six seniors, one junior, right. and then a ton of um, sophomores and a ton of freshmen. Um, so we've got, we're like really old and really young all in one fell swoop. Our upperclassmen are just so welcoming. You know, they really, really take care of the underclassmen. Um, they well, they make sure they know the expectations, but they, they help them along the way. Um, and so I think that's, it's important when you're moving into a new atmosphere, a new environment, you know, you're going to be a little bit uncomfortable. And in order to be as good as you can be on the field, you know, you've got to be able to find your comfort. Um, and they've just been wonderful with, you know, the past two classes that have come in, taking them under their wings, um, and making sure that they feel welcome and wanted. And then our, um, Young players have done a good job of not playing like young players. Um, you know, the game doesn't know how old you are. Yeah. And I think that they've taken on um, those challenges and been aggressive and assertive and have done well. Absolutely. And you touched on a few of the things, especially on the mental side, really, mm -hmm. or even the emotional side yeah. in, in some ways. Yeah. Enjoying the process, you know, mm -hmm. being excited to be there and having that confidence. The other thing I feel like that has developed is that the players, especially from my conversations with mm -hmm. them last season and into this season, they really trust each other mm -hmm. and they trust you as a coaching staff. Like what's the importance? This is kind of a silly question because obviously mm -hmm. it's important, but what is the importance of that trust? Well, I think that comes from, that goes back to the hard work. Like when there's no magic bullets and there's no like, there's no switch that gets flipped. Like when you work hard next to people, like you gain trust. I think that it just, it goes back to practice. You know, it goes back to coming back, um, after the summer and after vacations fit and ready to go, you know, that the fact that you put in, you know, the time to be ready, you know, when nobody can make you do it, you know, you build trust in those situations, you know, when you don't give up and you don't quit, you build trust. Um, 
So I think when you, you're in the trenches with people and you work hard next to people, you start to trust them. Yeah, you see each other working. And you actually, you say that, you're very vocal during the games too. Mm -hmm. And you say that all the time, like, hey, I see you working, yeah. like, you know, to the yeah. players and stuff. And that's, you're right. That's kind of where it starts. Yeah. You see that from each other. It makes you want to do it more. It just, it's a ripple. You don't want to let each other down. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Powerful, powerful thing. So last little bit is mm -hmm. to dive a little bit more into catching. Because mm -hmm. I can't, you know, we're talking so much about coaching, which of course, right, but also... Like, let's talk about your playing days a little bit, you know? like It's a long time ago, JB. <laughs> but you, you played a couple of years in the NPF, too, yep. And, yep. and at Stanford. But we talked a bit about, you know, that viewpoint and that mm -hmm. leadership yep. piece for catchers. But what else do you feel like goes into that position? It's kind mm -hmm. of an unsung hero a lot of times. You have to find your voice and you have to be able to deal with um, different people. I dealt with four or five very different pitchers and very different personalities who all needed different things in order to be their best. And I think as a catcher, um, you learn quickly how to, you know, for lack of a better term, just manage people, yeah. manage emotions. <laughs> because I mean, the circle is a lonely place, you know, and yeah. as much as, you know, we sometimes poke good fun, you know, at pitchers, like, you know, not everybody can stand in the middle of the field with the ball. You know, it takes, it takes a special person. Um, so I think you learn how to like support those people who have stresses that, you know, the rest of the team doesn't necessarily have, you know, you have right. it once, a, you know, three times a game, you know, they've got the ball half the game. Right. Right. Um, so I think that, you know, being able to support people in, in that um, situation, I think you learn a ton um, behind the plate. And for me, it was just, I, um, I just always only cared if we won. So yeah. as long as we won at the end of the day, I was happy. Like if I went over five and struck out five times, it never crossed my mind mm -hmm. that I had a bad day as long as we won. And if I had a great freaking day and we lost, you couldn't talk to me for a week. <laughs> <laughs> so like, um, and I don't know if that's, if that's how you gravitate towards catching or if it's just what you kind of learn from catching. But I think, you know, the game has its ups and downs and you're going to have great days and you're going to have bad days. But if you care most about the success of the team, right. it's a heck of a lot more fun. Yeah, you're the only other person other than the pitcher who's involved on every single pitch. Yeah. So, if, yeah, if you're struggling at the plate, well, you don't have very long to think about it because yeah. you have to get back out there and, and lead the team. That also makes sense how that translates into coaching, yeah. too. Well, I want to play just a very quick game oh, to no. wrap. I'm ready. It's fun. It's fun. Okay. Don't worry. I'm just going to bring up a topic and ask you what you think. Okay. So, if you'll call it safer out. Okay. So if you agree or you like it, you're about it, you're behind it, it's safe. Okay. But if you disagree or you don't like it, you're like, nah, that's lame, then it's out. Oh, Lord. Does that okay. make sense? Yes, I'm ready. <laughs> okay. So when people describe the game like this, softball, ain't nothing soft about it, what's your call? Safe or out? Uh, I don't love the word ain't, but I'll say safe. Great. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's hard to take it seriously, but I kind of I like the vibe. Right? It's like, all right, yeah, that's a good vibe. Okay. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us. This has been a fun one. Yes. Thank you for coming over. It's wonderful to have you. You're welcome anytime. Don't be a stranger. Thanks. Of course. I mean, I'll see you this weekend. Come Perfect. on the games. Be out there. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Remember, Believe in Softball is available on your go-tos, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. Of course, again, find us at Believe.com and on social at Believe Podcasts. Please subscribe, rate, share, hit us up. And at me on Twitter, JennaBacera01. Let me know what topics you want to hear about. And thanks again. Catch you soon. 
For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.